0: Open your Bible, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and just one verse, everybody good and strong together aloud. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation Also make a way to escape That you may be able to bear it 1 Corinthians 10, 13 We got to do it right, don't we? Okay, thank you And you may be seated The subject today is overcoming temptation Listen to me Sometimes I might preach a message That you think is not exactly applicable to you Today Everybody here I've got right in the crosshairs Is there anybody here that's not tempted? Don't be tempted to not tell the truth Because every one of us face temptation on a regular basis In fact, I thought that by the time I'd reached this point in life And had lived for the Lord and served Him as long as I have the temptation would be a minor irritant to me You know what? Nothing has changed it 's just as bad as it ever was because I believe i've come to the conclusion as long as I live in this body i 'm going to have temptation as long as i 'm on this earth, and you've probably already come to that conclusion as well so this applies to everybody. I hope you're listening. I hope you'll take some notes. you see if you take notes in the margin of your Bible on a piece of paper through the years, you gradually Sort of build your own commentary of the scripture, and you can go back and remember. I remember when the pastor preached on this, and you you access the, uh, the 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 concepts and the thoughts of scripture that you have learned. So I want you to do that. In fact, many of you have a little notebook and you carry it and bring it with you, and. Uh, I'm like the old, Dr. Lakin used to tell the story He said the old lady came up afterwards and said Preacher, I didn't get nothing out of that message today He said, did you bring anything to get it in? And some people don't come expecting to take anything home with them So I want you to take something home And I want you to uh, write some of these thoughts down And I begin number one without any long introduction today What is Temptation What is temptation? We must clearly understand temptation if we're going to be able to overcome it, mustn't we? And you have it right there in that verse at the beginning. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The word translated temptation there, sometimes in your Bible is translated trial. Or sometime, this, sometimes this same word is translated testing. And sometimes it's translated temptation. You must understand that that's a correct uh, translation. That you have a Greek word, but depending on the context, it might mean trials and testings, the testings of life. Depending on the context, it might refer to temptation, as we know it to be, by temptation, I mean an enticement to sin, temptation, I mean a solicitation to do evil, a desire that 's in our heart to do the wrong thing often that 's what it means, and then if it means if it 's rendered trials in some places, it simply means. The trials of life, the tests that we go through. It may be hardship, illness, grief, fear. It might be disappointment that we have. All the problems and trials of life are included in that word. Now, listen to me carefully. I want you to get this. Even the trials that we're called upon to go through in life. Maybe you're facing cancer today, or you're facing some financial difficulty, or you're facing A trial in your family There's a family situation or testing and trial that you're going through Or maybe you're grieving in bereavement Even that becomes a temptation Because it becomes an opportunity for us to fail According to what the Lord has laid out for us to do So even though it may not be a solicitation to do wrong and evil even though I'm going through some hardships, let's say a major financial problem, if I'm going through that kind of testing, it affords me the opportunity to fail and not handle it in God's way, and so it becomes a temptation as well. I hope I've made that clear. There are three possible responses that people have to temptation. One is just give in to it. Just give in to it. There's an old hymn. We don't sing it much anymore. Maybe we ought to start. My mother, I can picture my mother standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes and singing. Yield not to temptation for yielding his sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward Dark passions subdue, look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. Now, nobody ever asked me to sing here. So, you know what? I just pulled the preacher's prerogative and sung anyhow. Probably be a while before you ask me again too. That's okay. But here's my point. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. I've known some Christians who've sung it like this. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Yippee. And they enjoyed it. They just gave right into it and indulged themselves when temptation came back. No, that's wrong. Second thing is to fight temptation in your own strength. Three possible ways we can respond to temptation. Give in to it. Don't resist. Enjoy it. Just... Go ahead and yield. Number two, we can fight it in our own strength, ignorant of how God wants us to deal with our temptation. The little boy was looking over the shoulder of his classmate during the test. The teacher said, hey, son, don't do that. Are you trying to copy his answers? He said, no, ma'am, I'm, try- I'm trying to. I'm try- <laughs> the teacher said, are you trying to copy his answers? And he said, no, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. And you know, that's what we do so often. We just try not to. Three possible ways we respond. We give in to it. We fight it. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present with me. Have you ever read that verse in Romans chapter 7? When I want and know what the right thing is, then evil is still in my heart. And I want to do it. And then there's the third thing, we can overcome. You can overcome the testing, the trial, the temptation. We have been given every resource that we need to overcome temptation. We should never roll over and just say, there's nothing I can do about it. Victory is possible But it's only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ and his power to live a consistently victorious life. Now, look in your Bible with me. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, look again. I want you to see at the end of that verse, there's a promise here of victory. It says, and he will make a way to escape. He will make a way to escape. And I've I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians just resign themselves to the fact that I can't live victoriously. I can't overcome temptation. And the Bible says, no, you're wrong. Yes, you can. You can overcome temptation. He will make a way to escape. There are four facts I want to give you quickly. And these are not my subpoints of the message, but I hope you'll write them down. Number one, temptation itself is not a sin. Temptation itself is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Now, the reason that I say that is our Lord Jesus Christ was tempted, and yet the Bible says, yet without sin. He didn't sin, though he was more tempted, more severely tempted, than any of us ever will be tempted throughout our lifetime. Temptation is not in and of itself a sin unless you act on the sinful impulses That you're being led to in the temptation Number two Put down that your temptation is not unique Your temptation is not unique You don't have something that other people have not had as well Look in your Bible again Here's the phrase I want you to notice there in that verse It says such as is common to man Common to man Meaning Other people have undergone that very same problem that you're undergoing Now they might have had a little bit different circumstances But here's the point In principle, all of us face common temptation And so your temptation is not unique I've had people say to me as I counsel with them Well, Pastor, I just don't know of anybody who's ever been through what I've been through Take heart, my friend. There are millions, there are uncounted numbers of people who've been through the very same things that you're facing right now, and many of them have had the victory in their life. Your temptation is not unique. And number three, I want you to note that your test or temptation will be limited. And the Scripture says that right here. Look again at the verse. It says... In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 again, that God will not allow you to be tempted or tested above what you are able to bear. So God limits the temptation. He He allows and permits temptation, but it can't go on forever. God will say, hey, that's enough. And he will never test or tempt you and me to be tempted Beyond our ability to withstand that Now it may seem like that You may be walking through a very dark valley right now You may think it'll never change And oh it's just hopeless I don't see any hope out there in the future But I want to tell you that's not true And that is contrary to what God said I will not allow you to be tempted He says above what you're able to bear And so the Lord is going to help you If you avail yourself of his resources So number one, temptation itself is not a sin Number two, your temptation is not unique It's common to man Number three, the test or temptation you're facing is limited God knows how much you can bear And number four, he gives us a promise of victory A promise of victory And look at the very last phrase That you may be able to bear it He's saying you don't have to succumb and fall and be crushed by the problems of this life. No, you can bear it and you will have a way of escape. That's the clear teaching of that passage, isn't it? Now, turn with me, if you will, in your Bible. Just keep your hand there in 1 Corinthians. But go to the right. Let's go to the book of James, chapter number 1. And I want you to see... A passage of Scripture That is directly related to uh, What we've been reading It's in James chapter 1 And it's verse number 13 From where does our temptations come? Point number one is What is temptation? We learn something about it, I hope But number two From where does our temptation come? What is the source Of the temptations that we face in life? And I want to say first of all Where it does not come from and so we go to James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted or tested, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither tempteth he any man. So the Bible very categorically says here, look, God is not out to hurt you. God is not seeking to punish you God is interested in you. You're his child. And this is a message primarily to Christians. God does not, God is not the source of temptation. He cannot tempt us because God is holy. He has absolutely zero capacity in his nature for evil. None. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse number 13, the Old Testament prophet said, Thou art of purer eyes than to be even behold iniquity. No, God is not going to tempt you to do evil. He might allow a testing period in your life, but he's not going to tempt you to ever do the wrong thing. He doesn't entice us and, and put something out there in the front of us that is evil in and of itself. Now he does allow testing and temptation. We know that as part of his plan to perfect his children, to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he allows those tests, it's like the silversmith melting off the dross in the silver or the gold. When he allows testing into a life into our life, he's testing us the purity of our character, our motive. Why is it we're living for the Lord? The the prosperity theology that's being preached today—that you live for the Lord and you get you know the name it and claim it stuff—and you you know if you live for the Lord, He's obligated to pour a blessing upon you and all that. No, 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 no. That's you you can't prove that from the Scripture. God does allow sore testing. Look at the Book of Job. Look at other people in the Old Testament. Look at Daniel and the three Hebrew children in the, in the fiery furnace. God does allow his children to go through deep waters and testing. And when we're going through that, he is testing our character. He's purifying us. He is conforming us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And instead of us looking at this as something horrible, in the book of James there, And if you will look in verse number two of chapter one, right where your Bible is already open, my brethren, count it all joy when you enter into temptation. And what does he mean by that? Why should I rejoice? Because I have problems? I'll tell you why. That is evidence, strong evidence, that you are really a Christian, that you are a born-again child of the Lord, and that he is allowing you to go through things to build you and prepare you for future service and for eternity. I never really understood this until I had a man who came into my life when I was overseas in 1977. I was behind the Iron Curtain in Romania this is a man that I knew was being persecuted. We very surreptitiously at night went and visited him, almost a, a James Bond-type feeling, running from a, a people looking on us and so on, going up dark stairs and the door opening and going in and seeing this man who was the most well-known preacher in all of Europe. He had over 2,000 in his congregation. He preached on Radio Free Europe. Every Sunday for an hour to the entire nation of Romania His name was Joseph Tan, T-S-O-N Later I had the privilege of asking Joseph to come here And he preached for us on two occasions I honestly think Joseph is the most godly, spiritual, righteous man I've ever been around I could feel the aura of the Lord Jesus Christ in his presence When I met him, he had been interrogated by the authorities in Romania That was back under Ceaușescu when it was hardcore communism They had beat him And interrogated him And he bore in his body The marks of the Lord Jesus He had whelps on his back From PVC pipes Where they would beaten him And finally they kicked him Out of the country They took him and his wife And his little girl To the border And put him out With the clothes on his back He came to California And formed the Romanian Missionary Society And still in existence today And And uh, Joseph came here. And Joseph was a theologian par excellence. He was a graduate. He had a doctorate degree from Oxford University in theology. And he said to me in a private conversation one day, and then he later preached on it here. I requested that he preach on it. He said, Do you know why we have trials? God is preparing us for eternity, He's finding out if we're reliable. When I was persecuted and beaten in Romania, God was testing my reliability, my dependability. He was testing me for the future. He wanted to see how much responsibility he could put in my hands. And when I go into eternity, part of what I will be rewarded with is the way that I endured the tests of life. I thought, wow, does that put a different spin on trials? And that's why James said, you can even be joyful in your trials. So God allows temptation and testing, but God does not tempt us with evil. Remember this, don't forget this. This really puts this in perspective to me. Even the Lord Jesus Christ himself had to endure testing and trials like no other. As a human being, How would you know Jesus was sinless and perfect? How could you love and respect and worship him had he never been tempted? And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was more tempted than any man, the greatest trial a human ever endured. He sweat, as it were, drops of blood. The emotional stress actually, I believe, ruptured the capillaries in his skin. I've read articles that that is, in fact, possible. And so he was tested. So that we might be able to know He had endured everything we ever could endure So where does our temptation come from? Three sources If you're taking, write these down Number one is internal It's the flesh Look in the next verse Verse 14 of James 1 Every man that is tempted He is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust And enticed There's the word enticed He's drawn away of his own lust. Circle that word lust, put you a little mark out there, a little line out to the margin. Lust is a strong desire, an overwhelming desire, strong desire. We think of it in a sexual way, but it could mean anything. Well, some of us lust for food. <laughs> some of us lust for other things. It's like covetousness. I go by the window, I see that thing in the store, Strong desire, lust, covetousness All very closely related here And God says we're drawn away Drawn away, enticed Like a wild animal is lured into the pen or the trap Deer season If it hadn't started, it's right nearby, I know that In South Carolina, in this congregation There must be 40 deer hunters right here And then we buy deer corn We put the corn out We lure The deer to where we can get a shot We fish This is a fishing area Everybody can identify here with that We throw that lure out there That plastic worm Let it hit on the lily pad And pull it off and it drops Goes down the bottom And we drag it along the bottom And that old bass is sitting over there And He can't stand it. Lust. Strong desire, big, juicy thing. Whoa! He hits it, and he finds out that thing has hooked him. Is that not an interesting choice of words? And so our young people out somewhere, and somebody says, here's a little pot. Smoke it. Oh, I don't want to do that. But all your friends are doing it Finally one night Hooked Somewhere else up the road Same terminology we use for bass fishing Temptation Drawn away Enticed by our own Lust Our own powerful Powerful desires And so Temptation comes from our We call this the flesh it works in our body primarily But it also works to a degree in our mind My flesh is everything that I am outside of Christ Look a little baby You're looking at the flesh Mind, body, soul, emotions every, That's the flesh Only what I am in Christ After he comes in and I'm converted Do we have the spirit That the baby is our natural state We talk about the carnal nature Carnal means... Latin word, carnivorous Flesh, flesh eating The flesh is not only my, the stuff that grows on these bones on my hand here But also everything I am outside of Jesus Christ and His power in my life My natural state It can involve food, it can involve sex Alcohol Drugs Getting quieter Adult entertainment why do, we want to get, why do we want to feed our brains With stuff we don't want our kids to have That's free Everything from porn to laziness Is included in the flesh Some things are respectable Some are not If it feels good do it That's the flesh talking That's the flesh Romans 8 and 7 says that the flesh is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. And I can put you in a monastery and the flesh will still be alive. I can isolate you on the moon in the moon capsule and the flesh will go right with you. You can't shuck it. The flesh is who we are outside of Christ. That's a source of temptation primarily through the body but also the mind. Then there's the external temptation. Go over to chapter four of James. External, internal, the flesh, external. We call it the world. He calls these people adulterers and adulteresses. But he's not talking about them running around on their husband or wife. You adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that the friendship of the world is enmity or hostility with God? Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world Is the enemy of God I can't think of a more solemn verse To preach at a Baptist church If I love the world I have taken a position Against the Lord Enmity means hostility Friendship with the world Is hostility with God And I don't care who tells you differently And times may have changed But that truth has not changed Ladies and gentlemen And he says to them, if you love the world, you're an adulterer or an adulteress. And why would he use language like that? Because he says, when you receive Christ, he is the heavenly groom and we are his bride and we love him and we're betrothed to him. We're in essence spiritually married to God. And when we love the world and indulge the worldly desires in our life, then we are untrue and unfaithful to the one that loved us and purchased us with his own blood. Man, that needs preaching in America today because you can't tell the difference in most cases from Christians and the people that are not Christians. We have bought so deeply into the world and we honestly have convinced ourselves we can rationalize any behaviors, that's okay. Okay. Rather than, no, that's wrong. God's word condemns that behavior. And so the flesh from the inside and the world from the outside and the friendship with the world and its systems is enmity with God. Now, it doesn't mean we're to hate the world, but it means we're not to be controlled by the world. The world is, when it's used there, is not talking, by the way, about geography and the planet. It's talking about, the organized systems of our society and the culture around us be careful don't let that control you in fact i want you to turn to the book of first john just continue turning to the right you're in james go through first and second peter and go to first john and then chapter number 2 and just read with me in verse 15 love not the world the organized systems of society that are contrary to god Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't, pl- you can't keep a foot in the world and, and, and at the same time be right with the Lord. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, there it is again, the lust of the eyes. The pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world and its systems are passing away, and all the lusts strong desires thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, the temptation from the world externally is, I think, mostly directed to the soul. So our mind, our ego, it's psychological temptation. And so... uh, I say, boy, if I bought that car, if I bought that house, if I bought that boy, look what people think of me. Pride, ego. If I accomplish this, boy. And I begin to think in terms that are not biblical terms. I begin to think about a me centered lifestyle. External temptation. Internal the flesh, James 1 14. External the world, James four and four. Now from James four and four, turn over to the right a little further to first Peter chapter five. And let me show you the other. So we have internal temptation, the flesh, external temptation, the world, infernal temptation, the devil. Infernal temptation. First Peter chapter 5 Verse 8 Be sober Be vigilant Your adversary the devil Satan As a roaring lion walketh about Seeking whom he may devour Whom resist steadfast In the faith Knowing that the same afflictions Tests, trials, temptations Are accomplished in your brethren That are in the world The infernal source of temptation, the flesh, the world, and the devil. You know about Satan. He was formerly Lucifer before the fall, the archangel who rebelled and took with him a vast number, up to one-third of the angelic hosts of heaven. He was so evil and diabolical that he persuaded so persuasive he could persuade One third of the angels to rebel against God There was war in heaven Revelation says in the past And Satan and his host were kicked out His host Those fallen angels we call them Are what we now call as demon spirits You don't believe that The only reason you don't Is you live in America Where the gospel has been so frequently preached That people in America We've, we've had this spiritual hedge of protection. You go to other places in the world, it won't be so hard for you to believe that the reality of demons, and we're seeing an increase even here in the, so, the formerly Christian West. These demonic spirits do his bidding. You say, I think Satan is on my case. Now, no offense, but I doubt Satan has ever heard of any of us. He's dealing with the big things. He's in Washington, it's where he spends most of his time. <laughs> He's over at the UN or over in uh, Iraq somewhere. But he sends a little arcing or, or a little uh, demon spirit, and he camps out in the office of Reverend Bill Monroe, right over here, about 150 feet from me. <laughs> and he influences, he influences, he entices. He seduces, he prompts, he hinders, he suggests, he knows, he tempts us spiritually. Now get this, the flesh tempts us through our bodies. The world tempts us through our souls psychologically, the mind primarily, or the, the soul. And Satan tempts us through our spirits The part of us that relates to God Spiritual temptation Satan's the one who tempts you to doubt God's word Or he or his minions To act independently of God To throw away the Christian faith And so he works through forces and people That would cause us to be tempted in that realm Let me tell you two or three things about Satan As you deal with Satan Because you will and you do Satan is not omnipresent, he's not everywhere at once He can only be in one place at one time The devil is not like God who can be omnipresent, everywhere present Satan is not infinite, God is only is infinite Number two, Satan is not omniscient He doesn't know everything, he doesn't know what you're thinking Satan cannot read your mind I hear people saying that, no that's false. The Bible never teaches that. Satan cannot read your thoughts. He is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. Be careful what you say. If you speak it, it may be that one of his influencers can hear it. Guard your mouth and your tongue. That's how you're resisting. But Satan is not everywhere present. He's in one place at one time, though he has many representatives. He is not omniscient. He doesn't know all. He can't read your mind. Number three, he cannot possess or control a Christian. In fact, the truth is, Satan can't make you do one thing. You say, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He may have put a temptation in front of you. He may have influenced or suggested, but you made the choice. The devil didn't make you do it. He can only influence And so, God never tempts us. How are we tempted? Three sources of temptation. The flesh within me, internal. The world, external, around me, enticing, influencing me by its culture. And the devil, through his minions, through his demon spirits, can influence people's behavior. Lastly, quickly, how then can we have the victory? How can we have the victory? The verse promises us victory, that you may be able to bear it. It will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. You can live victoriously regardless of the problem, Christian. Before I talk about you and me personally, I want to say one thing that's real important that we don't talk about enough. I want you to go back in your mind to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus Christ was facing his greatest test. And Jesus Christ, it says, knelt and prayed. And it says he sweat, as it were, drops of blood. He was in agony as great in the garden, perhaps, as he was on the cross. The cross was physical, it was the nails, the thorns. In the garden, it was psychological. And spiritual, And the Lord Jesus Christ Was more tempted at that point Than any human being has ever been The greatest temptation was not reserved for you and me It's already been experienced Victoriously I might add By Jesus Christ himself You say how so Three different ways His body shrank back from what he knew was coming in just a few hours. The physical torture, the spitting in his face, the nails, the whip, the thorns, the physical agony he would go through. He was tested in his flesh because he knew hours of torture were facing him. But secondly, he was tested and tempted in his soul. The psychological humiliation, the nakedness, the ridicule, the cursing, the alienation. And in a few hours, he will cry out because of the psychological pain. God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all of eternity I'm alienated from you, God Why have you turned your back upon me The Heavenly Father Why have you let me go through this alone The psychological pain is beyond our comprehension And then spiritually 1 Peter chapter 5 You're in, turn it could go a hundred places in the Bible. Chapter 2 and verse 24. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He bore my sins. Make those pronouns personal. Who his own body bear my sins. Bill Monroe's sins. And his body on the tree that I being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes I am healed. Physically, he shrank back from the torture. Psychologically, he shrank back from the humiliation. Spiritually, he shrank back from bearing the sins of all humanity for all time. So, he's already been there. Now, how do we deal with it? Three ways. Number one, pray. Jesus said in Luke twenty-two forty, pray that you enter not into temptation. Enter not in means that you don't allow temptation to get the upper hand, that you don't participate. I would suggest that you pray every day in your devotions, Lord, today protect me and keep me from temptation. Confess where you have sinned and where you've fallen and then cry out to God, plead with him, beg him, God, help me this day to overcome. That's what the Lord taught us in the Lord's prayer itself. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil that will come our way. Pray. Number two, fight. Fight. Resist the devil. And how do we resist him? Now, listen to me carefully. Don't anybody miss it here. You fight him with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days and nights? Do you remember what he did in every single occasion when he was tempted? He quoted scripture. In fact, he quoted all three times from the book of Deuteronomy of all places. Every time Satan came at him, he resisted him with the sword of the spirit. Now, if Jesus had not memorized the Word of God, the Torah, the Old Testament, he would not have had that weapon in his hand to go against Satan. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, you have a great opportunity in this church. We're force-feeding, as it were. Every time you walk in the door, we're quoting Scripture verses. and do you know why? So in your mind, you will have a weapon that you can fight the devil with and you can resist him with. Don't underestimate the power of this scripture memory that we're doing. It is a powerful, powerful tool that you can have. You may not always have a Bible in your hand, but you always have God's word in your mind. This verse this month, now I've preached on it and explained it and exposed it to you. Memorize this first. There's no temptation has taken you but such as is common. Now, those words mean something deeply to you, I trust. And you can use them to parry the thrusts of the devil. When he comes at you, you've got something to use on him mentally. And remember this that the mind is the battlefield. That the thought is father to the deed. And that when you think something, it produces a feeling inside. And the feeling ends up producing an action. And so if, at the, if, if we can control the thought, we can cut the thing off at its feet. We can cut it off at its root. But if we think like the world, we'll, act, we'll feel like the world we will act like the world and we'll fall in temptation. So three ways to overcome temptation. One, pray. Number two, fight. And number three, flee, especially sexual sins and fornication. The Bible says flee fornication. And this area of sexual temptation one of the big, big, big temptations of our time because you don't have to go looking for it. It comes to you. Whether it be the billboard or whether it be the ad in the magazine or whether it be the movie or whether it be the suggestive words and lyrics of a song or whether it be the behavior of people around you. It comes looking for you and the temptation, the testing is there. David lingered when he should have left up on top of that house. I read somewhere and somebody said it so eloquently. I can't come up with stuff like this, but boy, listen to this. Said, Joseph, when Mrs. Potiphar came and seduced him, he saturated the place with his absence. (laughs) I like that, don't you? He saturated the place with his absence. He got out of there. He wasn't a past Christian. Mrs. Potiphar, let me come over and let's have a Bible study. No, no. (laughs) You don't do that with fornication Every other sin we fight But this one we flee Did anybody hear me out there, amen? amen? We flee fornication We flee those lusts that can so destroy our soul So my mother's little old country hymn Yield not to temptation Yielding is sin Each victory though will help you some other to win. You start getting victories going and you, God helps you and strengthens you and you can win. I hope today you will recall this verse. I hope you'll work. It's a little longer. Work to memorize it and to, over, to be an overcoming Christian in your life. Will you stand to your feet with me and bow your head?